Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, we're diving into week one of a message series called How to Be Rich. And we're not going to be talking, we're going to be talking over the next few weeks about how to be rich. We're not going to talk about how to get rich. Plenty of people talking about how to get rich. Uh, no shortage of that. Always lots of get-rich-quick schemes floating around. I was thinking about this, and it reminded me of, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date myself here a little bit, but I remember, some of you may remember this if you're around my age, I remember when I was flipping channels, like, you know, late, my late teens, my early 20s, there were these courses, these infomercials that would come on late at night. Um, anybody remember flipping channels? People don't do that anymore. But I used to just sit there and flip through channels, and, uh, and, and there were these, cor- th- these infomercials that would come on late at night, for, uh, for these courses on how to flip real estate with zero money down. Anybody remember these? There were like DVD courses and CD courses and you could, you know, and, and, and the, the guy, you know, on the, on the screen was always, like the, the poster child for it was always like he was kind of a schlub, you know what I mean? Like he was kind of dumpy looking and, and, you know, not overly articulate. And he was like, I made millions of dollars. I bought my first house for no money down. And then and they, they would, you know, sell you these CDs and DVDs. And, and it, it, it hit me because, you know, I, I'm in my 20s or, you know, whatever I was. And I was just thinking, I'm a schlub. I could do this. I could be that guy. I could make a real estate empire. I bought the CDs. It didn't work. But whatever. It, there's, there's no shortage of get rich. It's a, it was a get rich quick scheme. You know, and if you've invested in real estate and been successful, knock yourself out. I wasn't as smart as you. But, but I, you know, there, there's always people, there's never a shortage of people talking about how to get rich. But it seems to me there's a really, like a significant shortage of people talking about how to be rich. People very rarely talk about how to be rich. And if you're not careful, you could become rich and not be any good at it. So a lot of people are kind of trying to get there. And and my opening question for this morning is, how will you know? How will you know when you've become rich? I mean, how can you tell? Unless you hit the lottery and it all happens at once, it'll happen in increments. But there won't be a specific paycheck there won't be a specific bonus. There won't be a specific thing where, where now you cross the line and go, woohoo, I made it, now I'm rich. Now I finally, now I'm in the 5% or I'm in the 1% or whatever your goal is. You know, th- there isn't going to be a moment when you cross that line. So what could happen is, if you're not careful, if you continue to live your life and you, you uh, grow wealthy as time goes on and you get wealthier and wealthier with the passing years, you might end up becoming rich and not know it. And if you become rich and not know it, you might end up being a rich person who's no good at being rich, and nobody wants that. Anybody here know a rich person who's no good at being rich? You're like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know what it means. Well, here's the deal. Let me illustrate. Have you ever been to the home of a person who is very clearly on a different financial plateau than you? You got a, you got a, a coworker or a brother-in-law or something, and you go to their house, and it's like just way bigger than your house, and it's nicely appointed, and there's property, and, and the cars in the driveway are much nicer than the cars that you drive, and it's just very clear when you show up at their house, when you're in their home, they're just, like, you walk in and you go, wow. You ever been, you ever hung out in somebody's house like that? A couple of you have, you've driven past a few houses like that, haven't you? 
You know, if you've ever hung out with a person like that and heard them, you ever hang out with a person like that or connect with a person like that and hear them complain about financial pressure? When that happens, there's something that comes up in you that goes, are you kidding me, dude? I, if I had what you had, I'd be set. How could you be feeling financial pressure? Well, what you're dealing with probably is a person who is rich but doesn't know how to be good at being rich. We want, if we're going to become rich, if our hope is to become rich someday, we want to be people who are good at being rich. And actually, the scriptures talk about this. The scriptures address specific verses to wealthy people, which is to say that there are some verses in the Bible that are not for everybody. Now, if you're old school, maybe you come from a more traditional background, you might be thinking to yourself, not true. Every verse in the scripture applies to every single person on the planet. That's actually incorrect. I'm going to read you some verses, and if you're poor, you can just ignore these verses. These verses do not apply to you. This is the Apostle Paul talking to his young disciple Timothy about how to talk to the rich people in his congregation. Timothy's leading a group of people. Paul is instructing Timothy, and he's like, Timothy, look, we got to help these rich people be good at being rich. They're rich, but they don't know it. They're, good. they're rich, but they're not, not doing a good job of it. we got to help these people figure this out. So this is, this is uh, 1 Timothy from, from the Apostle Paul. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, And not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Don't miss that. Right there in the scriptures. For our enjoyment. Tell them, these rich people, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good deeds and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Read that last half a sentence again. So that they may experience true life. That last half a sentence is important because what Paul is saying is if we don't help these rich people, they could spend their whole life rich and never experience true life. Now that's an interesting contrast because for a lot of us, true life is about becoming rich. For a lot of Americans, becoming rich is the be-all, end-all. That's the meaning of true life, to get rich, to have more, to continue to accumulate. What Paul is saying here is, it is possible, in fact, it's likely, a person can become rich, and if they're not careful, they'll become rich and totally miss out on true life. That's important to zero in on this. So basically what we're seeing here is that rich people have extra pressures in their life. Rich people have additional temptations. Rich people people have... Well, they just need a little help. Rich people just need a little help. So we got some extra verses for these rich people. So what, if you're, you're here and you're like, wow, what's so bad about being rich? Well, here's, it's not easy to be rich, okay? So rich people, for starters, rich people have to do something called financial planning. 
Now, you and I have never heard about that because we're not rich. But financial planning, financial planning is what rich people do when they're preparing for a day when they want to quit working but still get paid. I don't know what that, it's like some voodoo or something. They call it retirement. I don't know how that works. But rich people have to do financial planning. The rest of us don't have to worry about that. Rich, you know what rich people do? Rich people, rich people have too much food. Rich people end up with too much food. There's too much food in the house. There's too much food in the cupboard. It goes bad. They throw it out. They cook too much food. There's, there's leftovers. The leftovers go bad. They go to a restaurant. They order too much food. They're not sure what, what they should do with it, if they should bring it home. It, it's awkward. You know, sometimes it's not enough to bring home, and they throw it out. Rich people have too much food. It's a problem for rich people. Rich people have too much clothing. Did you know that? I know you, you and I can't relate to this, but rich people have too much clothing. They have like, a rich, rich people sometimes will have a whole closet full of clothing. And I mean lots and lots and lots of different articles of clothing. And they'll stand in front of this vast collection of clothing and go, I just don't have anything to wear. And, and it's just amazing. So in a rich person's house, like the wife will be upstairs saying she's got nothing to wear in front of her huge closet, and then the husband is downstairs in the garage doing what he's doing. The garage, okay, you don't, sorry. A garage is like a house for a rich person's car. Rich people build houses for their cars. And there are billions of people on the planet, I mean billions with a B, who would love to live in the house that the rich guy's car lives in. So rich guys have a house for their car, but then what happens is tragic, okay? Rich guys, what happens is they keep buying stuff. Rich people buy too much stuff, and, and the closets get full, and eventually a lot of stuff ends up in the garage. The garage is where all the extra stuff goes, and sometimes a rich person will accumulate so much stuff, the poor car becomes homeless and has to live on the street because the garage has become too full. Tragedy has to stop. You know what rich people do sometimes? They just rip out their whole kitchen. Just rip it right out of there. Rip the whole thing out. Just to destroy the whole kitchen. And they have friends who go, was something wrong with the kitchen? No, no, nothing was wrong with the kitchen. Refrigerator quit working? Nope, fridge worked fine. Cabinets still holding all the dishes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cab we just wanted a new kitchen. Ripped it right out of there. And now there's hassle, okay? There's plastic and there's sheetrock dust. They, they don't have a kitchen anymore. They have to use the other kitchen in the basement. It's a hassle, okay? By now, you may have detected a slight bit of sarcasm in my tone. And I'm very aware, very aware, that some of you, that's not your reality. Some of you are here and you live in a very small apartment. Maybe you live in a condo. Maybe you rent a room from somebody. And there isn't a ton of extra. And there isn't a ton of all that other stuff. But my point this morning, and what I want to humbly submit to each of us, is that we are actually rich. We're the rich people in the story. This does apply to us. These verses do apply to us. Why don't, we, why, why don't we want to admit that? What is it about admitting that? Right? What, what is it about, about, um, about admitting that you're rich that seems yucky? Because it's true. Like, if you're athletic, you talk about being athletic. If you're musical, if you're into music, you play music or you like music, you talk about your favorite bands. Uh, you know, if you're into cars or art or whatever, look, if you're tall, you admit it, that you're tall, you know? If you're bald, 
at some point you admit that you're bald. You may have a few years where you're rocking the comb over thinking you're fooling people, but eventually you'll get it figured out and you'll own it. And you'll just go, yeah, I'm bald. It's okay. But for some people, the admission that they're wealthy just feels weird. Why is that? It's because we associate wealth with guilt. We associate wealth with guilt. When you hear a story, let me, let me illustrate that. When you hear a story, whether it's a, a biblical story or just a storybook story, when you hear a story that says, once upon a time there was a man, is that guy a good guy or a bad guy? The rich man is always the bad guy, isn't he? Now sometimes the rich man has a turn at the end of the story like Ebenezer Scrooge did and has a change of heart and a redemptive moment. But most of the time, the rich guy in the story is the bad guy. So we associate wealth with guilt, and we associate the admission of wealth with arrogance. Like it's just, it, we think of it as arrogant if a person believes that they're rich. It's far more winsome. We find it far more attractive if a person operates with humility and, and downplays how wealthy they are, but we're missing it. We're missing it because that's not arrogance. Admitting that you're rich is not arrogance. What's arrogant is to be rich and live as if you are not. What's arrogant is to be rich and be no good at it. What's arrogant is to be ridiculously blessed and still think it's all about you and all for you. That's arrogance. So how do we know? I mean, how, how, can, we, how can we be sure that we're there? How does, it, how does it work? Well, I did a little research for this message series. Did a little research. And I used as some of my, uh, in some of my, uh, my research, some, some work that was done by the Gallup organization. Maybe you've heard of, the, of Gallup. They do, they do polls. They do large-scale surveys across the nation. And they did a survey recently of people at different income strata. Now, the average full-time worker in the United States right now, the average pay scale, the average rate for the average worker full-time in the United States from, from, from minimum wage all the way up to the executive suite, the average full-time American worker right now makes somewhere in the high 40s. We're gonna say it's close to 50, so we'll just say 50 for the ease of the round number, okay? 50K roughly for the average full-time American worker. And the Gallup organization interviewed several people who were at 50K a year in their salary and said to them, all right, 50K a year people, do you guys feel rich? And what do you think the answer was? No. No, 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 we don't feel rich. Okay, well, what would it take for you to feel rich? About 100K. If I was making twice what I'm making now, I'd be set. Okay, interesting, interesting thought. The Gallup organization then went to interview a bunch of people who were making 100K a year and said to them, hey, 100K a year people, do you feel rich? Do you feel wealthy? And what do you think the answer was? What do you guys need to feel, what would you need to feel rich? What do you think the answer was? 200K. You noticing a pattern? 
And that pattern held all the way up. So right now, what we've got in the room, like and some of you guys are in the room. Right now, somebody here is making 50K. Somebody else is making 100K. There might be somebody else in the room who makes 200K. And if you make 50K, you can't fathom how a person could make $100,000 a year and still feel financial pressure. If you make 50K or if you make 100K, you can't fathom how somebody could make 200K a year and still feel financial pressure. It just doesn't work. But on and on and on, all the way up, nobody believed that they were rich. Everybody just thought a rich person is someone who makes twice what I make. Until they got to the top, to the upper echelons of the, the wealthiest of the wealthy. And there was actually consensus among the wealthiest Americans that were interviewed, there was consensus on the basic minimum standard of what an American needs to think of themselves as rich. The basic minimum standard among the uber wealthy is, according to the Gallup organization, $5 million in liquid assets. Because if you can invest $5 million in liquid assets and get a 5% return, it'll throw off 250K a year and you'll have a $250,000 salary for the rest of your life and never have to touch the principal. To which I reply, you think? Yeah, that would just about get it done. But here's the thing, and ponder this. Come on, go with me for a minute. On that scale, the guy who only has $3 million liquid assets or the guy who only has $4 million doesn't think they're rich. They don't perceive themselves to be rich. They don't feel rich. They're still climbing the ladder. They're still trying to get there. They've arrived. They're already rich. They just don't know it. So they're not experiencing true life. They're feeling the same financial pressure that the 50K a year guy is feeling because they've just made it all about them. They're rich, but they're no good at it. No one ever taught them how to be rich. No one ever taught them how it worked. Now, for perspective, right now, some of you are going to find this hard to believe, but it's true. If you make minimum wage and you work 40 hours a week at minimum wage, you are in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. You are at minimum wage full-time. You're in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. And if you're average in America, if you are earning 50K a year or more, you are in the top 1% of the world's wealthy. You're in the top 1%. That's how many people on this planet are living in abject poverty. Globally speaking, you, at average, in, in, the, in the United States, are at 1%. At minimum wage, you're in the top 5%. Now, I noticed something just now in the room that just, just happened. Silence. Some of you just learned that you're in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. Some of you learned you're in the top 1%. And man, if you make north of 50K a year, the numbers, the, 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 the percentages get real small. Some of you just learned you're in the top 
1% of the richest people on this planet. And you know what I noticed? Nobody jumped up and went, woohoo, I made it. I didn't see any high fives out there. There were no streamers. I didn't hear any champagne corks popping. There didn't appear to be any celebration going on. Everyone just sort of went, hmm. Why? Because you don't yet feel rich, do you? The fact that I just informed you of how you're doing doesn't necessarily render an emotional response. Could I tell you guys about the first time that I ever felt rich? I had just gotten married. And I was a, I was a youth pastor. I worked as a youth pastor for many years before we started True North. And I'm ashamed to say that for many years while I was working as a youth pastor, I didn't, I didn't tithe. And not only did I not tithe, I didn't give anything to the church that I was serving and attending. I just assumed it was okay because I was the youth pastor and I wasn't making very much money. Youth pastors typically don't make a lot of money. And I knew that if I had pursued my secular options, if I had gone to be a school teacher or a journalist, I would be making this much. But because I was a youth pastor, I only made this much. So in my mind, the difference between what I could have made and what I was actually making is what my, was what I gave up. That's my offering. And that was how I justified it, which is ridiculous, of course. But that's just what I was telling myself. And... When it came time for our wedding, Jen and I were discussing our finances, and we talked a little bit about the fact that neither of us were tithing, and we made a decision to tithe after we got married. As soon as we got married, we just decided, after that, that's going to be our, our point. We're going to start tithing after that. But we never discussed specifically a very important detail. We never discussed whether or not we were going to tithe on our wedding gifts. Like, we just didn't talk about it. And so, the next day, we're sitting in front of a coffee table with a bunch of cash and checks on it, and there were some people from our, con our former congregation who were really generous with us, and we each had some relatives who were really generous with us, and as a result, we're looking at, you know, cash and checks totaling more money than we have ever seen in one place in our entire lives. And we're in our mid-twenties, we're young, we're just looking at all this money like, whoa! Tithing on that would require a level of generosity previously completely unheard of in my life. There would need to be more zeros on the end of that check than had, I had any check I had ever, any amount of money I had ever given away in my life. It seemed absurd. It seemed crazy to give away that kind of money from where I was standing. But we made a decision, we stepped out in faith, and it was the first time in my life I ever felt like a rich man. It's the first time in my life I ever felt like a rich man. And we went on our honeymoon, and I felt like a, I felt like a rich man. And we went on a cruise. This is back in the day when going on a cruise was a good idea. <laughs> and you know it's easy to feel like a rich guy on a cruise doesn't matter that your room is a closet. You can still walk around on deck with your umbrella drink like, yeah. 
I felt like a rich guy, and it wasn't because of what I had. It was because of what I gave away. You don't feel rich. You don't sense it yet. It's because you're not turning it around properly. Some of what you have wasn't meant for you. You're blessed. Some of what you have was meant for somebody else. You want to know what it feels like to be rich? Start honoring God with your finances. Take the step. Stop hesitating. Decide today, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to take some of what I have and be a blessing to the world around me. Why? Because it's possible to be rich and miss out on true life. According to 1 Timothy, it is possible to be a rich person and totally miss out on true life. You could spend your whole life chasing the idea of being rich while you're already there. You're already at rich guy status. You're already at rich lady status. You don't need to keep chasing it. Now what you need to do is stop trying to get rich. Now you just need to be rich. And now you need to operate like you are rich and start blessing the world around you. You could be the rich guy and the good guy. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. You could be a blessing to the world around you and experience the joy of being a part of something bigger than you. Earlier in that passage, it said, God gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Let me tell you something. And I promise you this is true. Give away 10%, you'll enjoy the remaining 90% way more. Give away 10%, the remaining 90% to you will seem so much sweeter and so much more vivid and so much more wonderful because you've honored God and he gave you all you need for your enjoyment. And if you're here today and you don't trust me and you think I'm shady and you think this church is out of you, this is another church thing trying to get into your wallet, you go give the money away someplace else. But practice this. Try it. You won't regret it. And it could be for the first time in your whole life. Some of you, you've been rich for decades. This could be the first time in your whole life you ever feel like you actually are. I want that for you. I want that for me, and I want that for all of us. I'm hoping we'll honor God in this way. We're going to talk about this a little more over the next couple, week, couple weeks from some different angles. I'm excited because I'm, I'm, I'm psyched to share perspective and for us to find perspective together. And with that, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we're grateful. We thank you for these scriptures that remind us that it is possible to be rich and still miss out on true life. We don't want to miss out on true life. We want to experience true life. We don't just want to try to get rich. We want to be rich, to operate from that truth. So remind us, Father. Whisper to us that some of what we have isn't for us. Remind us, Father, and whisper to us that some of what we have was meant to be a blessing to others, to further your kingdom, to help the poor, to do as you've called us to do in this world. And Father, when we step out, and when people honor this, I pray that you'll pour out blessings and do amazing things. May this be true in my life. May this be true in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.